This is Courage Cast, your daily dose of faith, inspiration, and motivation. Lee Strobel, thank you so much for coming on the Courage Cast. It's a blessing to have you. Well, I appreciate that, Eric. Great to be with you. This is uh, was a dr- is kind of a dream come true for me because uh, I have been a Case for Christ and the Case for series has been a big part of my reading pleasure over the years as a new Christian. So I appreciate, awesome. yeah, yeah, appreciate I, your work. I, I love I love hearing that. You know, you, you sit in your little uh, office uh, pecking away at a computer and pray <laughs> that someday God may use it for good. <laughs> oh, it's great <laughs> to hear somebody actually on the other end. <laughs> Well, I, like you, you know, you explored your faith at age 29, really to try to prove it wrong. I explored my faith at age 23, really, uh, but but as a result of a bunch of seed planting and came to Christ at age 23. Um, what's it like for you now, after all of these years uh, being a follower of Christ, uh, uh, do you find yourself being able to relate to those people who maybe grew up in the church and came to Christ at an early age, or do you find that to be uh, unique for you because you, you had such a different upbringing? Well, I, I celebrate everybody that comes to faith and I'm seeing now my grandchildren come to faith one by one um, in Christian families and great churches and wonderful youth ministries and uh, to see them come alive in their faith and, and to see my granddaughter uh, Abigail's Bible all marked up and underlined and notes in the margins and 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 to see her enthusiasm for her relationship with with God to see her go on mission trips to see her um, um, I have a, I have a photograph that somebody took of her uh, praying with a, another girl to receive Christ and uh, wow. it's a great joy as a grandfather so uh, you know I know some people like me are hard headed and took me um, you know three decades to come to faith, but um, I celebrate those especially that came at a younger age because they avoided all of the, uh, not all, but much of the sin that I committed during my life uh, when I lived as an atheist that I regret. In fact, one person that came to faith partially through my book is Evil Knievel. The, really? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the daredevil motorcyclist. And he and I became friends before he died. And his biggest regret was not coming to faith as a youngster, because mm-hmm. he said, I could have lived my life differently. I could, I could have lived my life for God and, and, and look what I did. And, and I, I kept telling him, Robert, you know, God's going to use your story to reach people who you may not otherwise have been able to reach. But, um, but he saw how wonderful it would have been to come to faith as a youngster and had the opportunity to live an entire life devoted to God. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of life, we're talking today about, uh, I guess, death and what happens after we die. Yeah. You have a a movie coming out, the first that I think you've ever put out in the case series. Of course, you had the case for Christ, the movie, which was really well done and uh, and really inspiring uh, for me as well. But um, now we have this upcoming Fathom event that's uh, going to be happening uh, really just before Easter. So yeah. a timely event, uh, The Case for Heaven, uh, is going to be releasing uh, Monday, April 4th through Wednesday, April 6th. 
Uh, people can catch that locally wherever they are in theaters, in a theater near you. Tell us about the case for heaven, the book, and uh, and then of course also this documentary, uh, sort of the the making of it and the inspiration for it. Is it because you're you're kind of getting on in in your life that you're considering yeah. this, or what what was sort of the uh, the instigator for it? Well, what started was uh, an incident that happened to me about ten years ago when I almost died. Mm. Uh, my wife found me unconscious, I called an ambulance. I woke up in the emergency room and the doctor looked down at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. And then I went unconscious again. I had an unusual medical condition called hyponitremia, which is a severe drop in my blood sodium level. So I hovered between life and death for quite a while until the doctors were able to save my life uh, in a very delicate um, maneuver that they had to do to save me. And um, I tell you what, that is a very clarifying experience to almost die. Uh, <laughs> because when you're in that situation, uh, nothing is more important than what happens when we close our eyes for the last time in this world. And so I was a Christian at the time. I believe what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. But at the same time, I've still got that skeptical gear. You know, my background's in journalism and law, and I, I tend to want evidence and, and reasons and answers. And so I launched on this investigation to try to look at what is the evidence that indeed we continue to live on after our physical death. Well, it's one of those things that I've always considered, and I think most of the human race, it's, it's the great mystery, right? Um, how can we find evidence? I, you know, I, I, I find it really intriguing. And you as an investigative journalist and your background in doing that, how did you go up? Now, obviously, there's a lot of things mentioned in scripture about yeah. heaven and hell Right. And what happens after we die? And of course, it's it's the great mystery. So, but but you relied on a lot more than that to yeah. begin to to build a case for heaven, right. I guess. Right. You know, the apostle Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So there's really two aspects in Christian teaching to the afterlife. The first is the intermediate state that happens when we die. Our 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 soul, our spirit uh, separates from our body, and we're conscious and present either in the presence of God or a believer or separated from him in, in Hades. Uh, the second stage happens at the consummation of history when Jesus returns. It's when we're united with our now resurrected bodies. Uh, it's when we go through final judgment. And then we spend eternity in a very physical place, whether it's heaven or hell. So I wanted to know, well, wait a minute. Uh, if the Bible says that our spirit, our consciousness separates from our physical body at death and continues to live on, is there any evidence outside the Bible for that? And so I began to investigate uh, what are known as near-death experiences, where people are clinically dead, and yet they report seeing things or hearing things that they could not have otherwise seen or heard if they didn't authentically have an out-of-body experience. And so I looked at those cases where we have corroboration. So for instance, there was a woman named Maria who died in the hospital, um, and she described later, she said, no, I was conscious the whole time. She said, my spirit separated from my body. I, I kind of floated around the ceiling of the hospital room. I, I watched the resuscitation efforts on my, on my body. And then my spirit floated up and out of the hospital. And when she was revived, she said, oh, by the way, there's a man's tennis shoe on the roof of the hospital. And huh. it's blue. It's left footed. Uh, there's a little wear over the little toe and the shoelace is tucked under the heel. So they go up in the roof and they find it exactly as she described it. 
That's just one example of the kind of corroboration that indicates that indeed our consciousness does survive at least our clinical death. Um, In one study, they looked at 21 blind people, half of them blind since birth. And yet during this near-death experience, this out-of-body experience, they were able to see many of them for the first time. And so they watched as the resuscitation efforts were going on in their bodies. They, 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 uh, they saw plants and animals for the first time. And then when they were ultimately revived, their blindness returned. And as one researcher said, this is medically impossible. I mean, this is part of 900 scholarly articles uh, published in uh, scientific and uh, medical journals over the last 50 years on this topic. Um, Even the Lancet, which is the famous medical journal in England, uh, carried an analysis that showed that none of the alternative explanations for near-death experiences can fully account for this phenomenon. So Mm. this is a well-researched area of science. And um, clearly, I think it shows at a minimum that our consciousness does continue to live on. But what's interesting, especially to me, is I interviewed for the movie and in my book, uh, John Burke, John is a pastor of a Christian church in uh, Santa, in uh, uh, Austin, Texas, and he studied a thousand near-death experiences over 30 years. And what he learned is if you look at the commonality of what typically takes place in a near-death experience, not how people interpret it through their religious lens or their cultural lens, but what actually takes place, it is consistent with Christian theology. And he backs that up. Up verse by verse. So mm. that, that's a powerful finding. So to me, that is external corroboration of what the Bible teaches about the afterlife, that indeed our consciousness does continue to live on. Mm. Yeah, it's very hope, hope giving to yeah. me to hear these stories, obviously. Um, there are those that a lot of them more on the progressive left side that will even argue that there even is a hell. Yeah, uh, I'm curious if you dove into that in your research or um, kind of yeah. countered some of those arguments. And maybe that's a future book. I have no idea. But I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on. I know this was not really what the book is about, but if you're going to talk well, about heaven and hell, I would think yeah. you no, dive I've into got, that. I delve into that in the book. I have two chapters uh, on hell, and I, I look at uh, two popular um, um, trends. One is called annihilationism which is the belief that when a non-believer dies, they're essentially snuffed out of existence. Mm -hmm. Um, John Stott, the famous evangelical leader of the 20th century, came to believe in annihilationism before he died. Um, It's not a heretical position. I don't think it's, I think you can make a really good case for annihilationism, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's a convincing ultimately case. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. not a heretical position. It's a secondary issue. Um, but I, 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 you can make a good case, but to me, it falls short. And I demonstrate that in the book. Um, mm-hmm. The other popular trend is universalism, which is we all ultimately are safe. Um, and to me, that is a heretical position. It's not well supported in scripture. Uh, it, it, it is um, uh, disputed in many passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't uh, believe in that, but I did present that case as best I could for universalism and then said why I, I don't, uh, I'm not convinced personally that it's true. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to look at um, the, the issue of hell. In the movie, we actually interview one of the 23% of people who have a near-death experience where they have a hellish experience. Not everybody mm. has a great experience, 
we interview Howard Storm, who was an atheist who, who in a sense, went to hell uh, when he died. And he describes it as being the most horrific experience that you can possibly imagine. He said, no horror film can even approach uh, wow. the horror of it all. And in the midst of it, he called out to Jesus, um, was rescued. And uh, after he um, was ultimately revived, he not only renounced his atheism, he not only resigned his um, tenured position at a secular university, but he became a Christian and an ordained pastor and is now <laughs> pastor of a little rural church. Uh, mm -hmm. It transformed his life. Uh, so I think I think the I think the best news about heaven is it is that it's real. I think the worst news about hell is that it's real. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the greatest news of all is that Jesus has opened the door to heaven. He's flung open the door to heaven to anyone, anywhere, any culture who comes to him in repentance and faith. Yeah. It is good. It is really, really good news. I'm so grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, so in this in this documentary, there are maybe I think nine or ten uh, different um, interviews or people yeah. featured. Maybe more than that. But uh, tell me a little bit about. And are there any other unique stories that we should be watching for? Yeah. You, you know, there's one fascinating one that uh, it was my favorite, and that was um, uh, an interview I did for my book with Luis Palau. Uh, Luis Palau, one of the great evangelists of history, he uh, shared his faith with a billion people during his lifetime. He was a friend of mine um, and a hero of mine, and he was dying of stage four cancer. He knew he was going to die soon. And so I went out to Oregon. I spent a day with him and his wife, and it was the last formal interview with him before he died. And uh, so we, we were going to come back and shoot the video for the movie, but he died in the interim. And so in the film, you hear his voice. I, we play the tape of some of his uh, observations and what he was saying as someone who knew that he was about to pass over into the next life. Um, but we don't have him on camera because he ultimately died beforehand. Um, but one of the things he said that I will never, ever forget, and I think it's relevant for every follower of Jesus on the face of the planet. He looked at me before he died and he said, Lee, when you get to the end of your life, and all is said and done, you will never regret being courageous for Christ. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. I mean, I, and I think being courageous for Christ means different things to different people. I think for some people, it might be to say, who am I going to invite? What non-Christian am I going to invite to come with me to see this film, The Case for Heaven? Because I'm telling you, it is a film that non-believers will uh, resonate with. We have a non-believer in the film, uh, a guy who renounces Christian faith, and he talks candidly about why he no longer believes and what the Bible teaches. We have all viewpoints represented, but I think the, the, the film presents a cogent, a compelling, and a convincing case uh, for the truth of the Christian teaching about the afterlife. So, you know, uh, a form of courage might be who, who I might want to take a risk and invite uh, to come with me to see the film or to give them a copy of the book. Or, or I even created a little booklet, 64-page kind of summary of the book called Why Believe in Heaven. Uh, you can only get it at christianbook.com, uh, but you get them for a buck. And mm. uh, I, I went online. I, I just literally bought uh, 1,800 copies of that um, <laughs> because I'm going to give one to every student at Colorado Christian University next week when I speak at chapel. Yeah. And say, oh. Take a risk and give it out to someone who's not a believer. Yeah. I love that. 
Oh, and I love the quote from Louis Palau. Isn't that powerful? You'll never regret being courageous for yeah. Christ. Yeah. 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 Well, wow. that's the, that's the name of our podcast. As you know, yeah. the courage cast right. and the, the, the founding inspiration was uh, the book that was written about um, the, you know, the top five regrets of the dying. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read that book or, or heard about the article and, and, um, and so um, it's uh, it's really profound that he said that. Um, And, uh, and I hope that our listeners who will be inspired by this will, will pick up their faith in, in that way. Mm -hmm. So is there anything in the remaining couple of minutes that we have together? Is there anything that you're still not sure about. I'm I'm sensing that at the end of this journey, at the end of the book, and and probably the the movie, the case for Christ, for the case for heaven, is so strong yeah. that you're 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 pretty sure. But is there anything that you're still not sure about? Well, I'm curious. Let's be honest. Nobody wants to go through the process of dying. Yeah, the process itself. My mom, who was a strong believer, went through a bout with cancer that was um, uh, very difficult before she passed. Um, Jesus helped her through that. And he promises to do that, to be with us. Um, but nobody wants to go through that. And, you know, we don't want to leave behind loved ones. Um, uh, so let's be honest about that and, yeah. and bring that to God and say, I I'm wrestling with this, help me to get through this. And, and Jesus will answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, but, but that's reality. That's reality. It's it's uh, nobody wants to go through uh, that process itself. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, "You know, if it's possible, take this cup from me." Yeah. Um, so, um, but that's all right because I think the evidence for the afterlife is so powerful and so persuasive that it, it's almost like having a vacation on the calendar. In other mm. words, you know, if you're at work and things are hard and your boss is breathing down your neck, you got all this work to do and project and deadlines. But if you've got a vacation on your calendar two months from now, and you're going to go to Maui for three weeks, it helps you get through the present difficulties. And when you're a follower of Christ and you've got heaven on your calendar, you don't know when. For eternity. For eternity. It's going to come. It helps you deal with the current difficulties of life because you're saying, I know this is hard. God, I need your help. But in the meantime, I know this eternity is coming. And, mm-hmm. and that gives me courage for the present. I'm reading a book right now called The Rest of the Gospel. And in there, it talks about the two parts. One is obviously salvation. We get that right, but we don't get the living part right. Mm-hmm. Living now with an understanding of the gospel. Maybe what is it? What would you say in, in one minute or so that we have left? Would you say is the, um, the recipe for living life now, knowing that we have heaven to look forward to? Is, is well, heaven here now? In well, some ways. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, in the great sermon of history, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, um, I want you to be li- live lives are like salt and like light. In other words, like salt that make people thirst for God, uh, like light that shine God's message of hope and grace and love and justice and eternal life that shine that message in the dark areas of despair. And mm-hmm. what I would encourage all of us to ask is the question, how can I be stronger salt and brighter light? with my life in the days that I have remaining. Um, That's my prayer that God would use me uh, more powerfully to uh, tell other people this good news that there is hope, there is redemption. There's a party waiting for them in heaven. The door is open. You can walk through 
because of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. Well, uh, Lee Strobel, best-selling author, award-winning author of uh, the Case Four series, the Case for Heaven movie. You can uh, find all about it. Uh, the uh, the Fathom events. You'll learn more about that at thecaseforheavenmovie.com. And uh, I'll put all the relevant links that you mentioned today in our podcast interview. Thank you so much for taking time with the courageous community today. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me.